Hi, James. Ben, how are you? I am okay. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, you moved uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, this coming week it's going to be my turn. So life's about to go into boxes. Not, 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 uh, not, not Dropbox. R- real boxes. Real boxes. Yeah. I, there's no Dropbox equivalent for moving in Silicon Valley yet, but I'm sure somebody's thought of it. Now we're going to get like 15 email pitches, which, which by the way, there, there are definitely some, I, I've definitely seen pitches for like Dropbox for like real stuff. So, oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there needless to say, there are challenges in, in, uh, in implementing that, that vision, but, uh, we, we're excited to have wordpress.com as a sponsor, as always, whether you'd like to build a personal blog, a business site, or both creating a website at wordpress.com helps others find you, remember you, and connect with you. You don't need experience. They guide you through the process from start to finish to take care of the technical side. Your site up and running. Their customer support team is made up of WordPress experts. James, how often are they eager to help you? 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Look at you. you I, I, I like that. So instead of instead of even messing around with 24-7 <laughs> by 7, just blow it out. I, that's, I, I like that. Exactly. It, it's a very – uh, approach the problem – don't get don't get stuck in your sort of local maxima. Like back out and say, "Can I deal with this in another way?" Absolutely, very good. Uh, so, <laughs> plans. Sorry, I'm, I'm not distracted. Plans start at just four dollars per month, and all plans include a custom domain name for the wife of the plan. Go to WordPress.com/exponent to get fifteen percent off your website today. That's WordPress.com/exponent. Thanks, guys. As always. That's right. I have to admit, after 140, how many episodes are we into? 148 episodes. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm getting a little tired of Facebook, <laughs> and, and if I if I'm starting to feel that way, uh, I can't imagine how our listeners must feel. I I I would agree with that. At the same time, I, there was a, a little bit. I, I took some enjoyment watching so many of the topics that we have talked about over the course of the last four years, like bubble to bubble to the surface in inside of the chambers of the U.S. Senate and the U.S. House. I, I thought that was pretty cool to to finally see. Us, this is the gears of society turning and our institutions officially start to try and grapple with some of these issues. I thought that was pretty cool. I have to say, though, and, and uh, may, may I make the, the grand revelation? Do it. <laughs> Based on some messages I saw from you that uh, the rest of the world may have seen on the Shatekery vlog, uh, you, you, were a little, you may have been a little disappointed with, with how the hearings went overall. Well, I, yeah, I, I mean, I think I had this impression like, oh, this is the point. This was the, this is the court case. This is where it, all the evidence gets put out and there's a guilty, not guilty verdict. And instead, it was a, there were, I mean, not everybody. There was some, there were obviously a few very sharp pointed questions that were driving it. Some of the things that we'll get into on the podcast, but there was a lot of bumbling around. This is the, this is the case where things get decided. And then I, I think I had this realization. This is not what this is about at all. Like this is literally just about showmanship and grandstanding and, and, and probably not that much new information is actually going to come to light. And I was like, Oh, wow. So this isn't really such a big deal after all, is it? Well, see, and, and I think it was a useful. So, so I'm referring to the opening of my article this week, where mm. where a, a, a an anonymous friend, friend. Uh, was you, was you, <laughs> which which uh, um, and but I think your your 
point, if I can reference back to the broader mm. set of the, of the conversation at the time, was I, you, you kind of had some frustration about the fact there was just so many, it was so sort of disorganized in some respect. Mm. Like there wasn't a a real, you know, uh, a, a queer line of questioning to like, you know, put Zuckerberg on, on the spot. And, and I think to that point, you know, given this sort of like tendency towards Facebook fatigue, perhaps among, you know, us individually and our audience generally, but then also taking that and using it to, like what what can we do with that well what is a given the fact we talk about facebook so much maybe we can lend a bit of a hand here and you know sort of organize and break down all the different threads that are going mm. on here and, and to that into that point you know i i think actually that did start to happen a little bit and one of the takeaways that i had from this week was one the fact that zuckerberg was in washington dc at all is a big deal mm, the right. the more important news was him being there as opposed to whatever might have happened mm. at those hearings uh, um, but but to that point, there were some interesting and maybe surprising threads that did come out, and maybe uh, we can make you feel better by sort of uh, elucidating them and organizing them, if that yeah. makes sense. And I spent some time – I mean, there were so much – there was so much written about it, and people were on different – like you said, people were on different angles of attack trying to understand different things. And it, it, it's almost like the company has become something of a Roshkash test where people just project their their pains onto the company and everybody – and everybody sees all the bad things that they might have done in in the past whether they did or didn't and whether they're they're real or not now and sure there are they have done some pretty aggressive things there was a fantastic Zeynep Tufetchi article uh in Wired that that lit the world on fire uh, around how there have been so many things that Zuckerberg through Facebook and and a different app Face Smash back when he was at Harvard he's just been on this he's been pushing the boundaries again and again and again and he's been on this apology tour so there are, to be fair there are plenty of things to uh there are plenty of things that have been done that have upset people and perhaps are wrong but I think there's definitely real value in pulling these apart and understanding what they are because otherwise it all just gets gets mashed together and it, this company becomes this bogeyman as opposed to like doing the hard work of understanding what's going on whether it's a real problem and whether it still persists now and if if it is still a real problem and it still persists now what should be done about it yeah, and I have to say, I mean, I've had my uh, differences with Tufetchi in the past, particularly right at the end of the election or when the election happened, and she was out like guns blazing about fake news. And I would, and, uh, you might we we podcast mm. at the time. I was like, yeah, I don't think you want to go down this fake news route it, it, because, as I predicted, it's going to be co opted and taken over by Trump on the other side. And and there are like, what is fake news anyway? Is getting reporting wrong? Like, I, I think I used the example in there about the mm. New York Times and the Iraq War. Is that fake news? Like, at some point, the, it, it just a, it's a Pandora's box you might not want to open. And needless to say, it, it was opened. But all that noted, uh, I have to give her tremendous credit for this lead. Oh, just as like just like just as like a fellow writer and someone that seeks to craft compelling narratives, the fourteen year apology tour was was just I mean just from a pure sort of narrative device was spectacular, and you knew it was spectacular because so many people ripped it off all week, like it, it, without it, 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 you saw it again and again. Uh, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> I just got got tip my hat to that lead. That was that 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 that, that was. Uh, 
it doesn't get much better than that. Uh, no, I, I agree. It's also going to, it's incredible the extent to which he managed to get away with that. But I think he's going to have a little bit more difficulty pulling that trick off in the future. But nevertheless, well, like. Well, well let's, let, uh, let's start there, though. I mean, I think that hmm. it's interesting to, to think about it because what, what sort of stuff what went into, like, think about the apology to herself. Like, like so she started with the, uh, I can't remember if you mentioned it, the, the, the Face Smash app, hmm. which, you know, Zuckerberg notoriously, notoriously created to let people basically a hot or not for for harvard undergraduates mm. uh un- unfortunately it wasn't for a harvard mba students so you, uh, you know you couldn't you couldn't dominate um but, but uh you know it which you know he got called before the board and and the disciplinary committee and and, and apologized and, and then kind of went forward to facebook's you know doing apologies and she kind of made the note that at one point Zuckerberg had posted four times on the company blog and they were all they were all apologies mm. but but i think there's but but in that set for example one of the apologies was newsfeed the, 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 like that newsfeed was created and people were posting stuff publicly and they were upset because Facebook made what they had posted publicly easier to 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 discover and, and you know well one is was Zuckerberg really sorry about that and two like should he be sorry and, and should he be sorry on multiple levels quite clearly people love newsfeed and by love i mean not like they're expressing their love but their actions like their revealed preference are that they think newsfeed is the greatest thing since sliced bread and, and so you know there, there's an aspect where you, you, this is i think why it's useful to your point to kind of pull mm. some of this stuff apart because like face smash like it's quite obviously a bad thing to do and he was right to apologize for it was newsfeed a bad thing to do and, and should he have apologized for it? Was it a tactical apology to get people to 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 to, to you know reduce yeah. the heat? And you know you could argue if should he are tactical apologies a good thing or a bad thing? But I think it, it's it's very easy to your point to lump all this stuff into mm. one sort of kettle uh, and when actually there's so many different things going on here and I I think it's it's dangerous to to lump all this stuff together. Oh, by the way, can I can I get on my soapbox real quick? Oh, I, I, when would I ever say no to a question like that? <laughs> there were five times, five times where Mark Zuckerberg was able to run out the clock by explaining that Facebook does not sell data. This is exactly, exactly why I have railed continuously for years against Tim Cook and everyone else that says Facebook sells data, mm. not because I don't care about privacy, but because by doing so, it lets Facebook off the hook. And you had it happen literally this week, Mark Zuckerberg five times. And a few of those were very, very strong lines of questioning that he did not have to answer because people perpetrated the false story that Facebook sells data because it's, it, it sounds good. It's a good mm-hmm. rhetorical device and it's false. And, and, and is it close to being true? Sure. Right. But, but being precise matters. And this week was a perfect example of why it matters. Mm. Yes. So, uh, I was, excuse me. I, I need to step down from my soapbox. No, that was no, a very. No, no. It was a very high one. So I have to go down the stairs. One yeah, no, that, that's okay. So, <laughs> I mean, I I think at this point, like we sat down and we actually mapped out a list. Of I, I, all I like things. I like I like how you didn't even bother responding to it. You're just like, okay, he's he's off his soapbox now. Let's yeah, get no, back to I, I let's waiting, get back to the podcast. <laughs> I was waiting for you to walk down the stairs. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'll continue. Continue. I, I've I, I've I've made my point. <laughs> we we did it. Like I, I sat down and made a bit of a list and then ran it past you and got your input as well onto like all the things that we could possibly talk about in terms of issues that people might have with Facebook. And let's lay them out right at the start. And we'll, we might dig into some or all of them, but like 
I, I kind of put this in, in order of things that I think are least important to things that I think are most important. And it is Cambridge Analytica and then giving away the friend's profile slash Facebook misunderstanding its business model, thinking it's a platform when really it's an advertising business. Then 2016 with uh, the election and Russian meddling, then fake news. And then the the impact on the media and and sucking the life out of the, uh, the the media's business model and the algorithm changes and media monetization and so on. Then filter bubbles. And then I put in inverted commas time well spent, uh, which is Zuckerberg referring to whether this is whether time spent on Facebook is well spent or whether it's not really that good for you after all. And then the last one, which is like, is this a monopoly, both on the social networking side but also on the advertising side. Yeah, and it's interesting to to list all those things because because pretty much all those came up in in the congressional hearings this week, mm-hmm. and I think that's part of the reason why the the hearings felt maybe unfulfilling to some people because it's like, well, can we focus on one of these things? But but lots of people said who what the things people wanted to focus on were often very different, and I, and I would probably quibble a bit with your list in because mm-hmm. you said it was in order of importance, mm-hmm. but I what I do think you had right was putting Cambridge Analytica at the top, and and mm-hmm. and, the, and that specifically, and, and the reason is, and I think this the hearings really brought this home, and we've kind of talked about this in passing. You know, Cambridge Analytica is was a symptom of a broader problem, which which I so I would actually say the 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 way they gave away personal data to basically whoever wanted it, I would I would put that further down the list as being more important. Whereas the Cambridge Analytica manifestation of that, I think you're exactly right. What was less important? The reason it was less important was was one like this this had already happened all over the mm-hmm. place two the, like the obama campaign as we've noted did the exact same thing like the, 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 and, the, and bragged about it the, they didn't buy it because the tool was available in 2012 whereas it wasn't mm-hmm. available in 2016 a, 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 but then three the reason why i think it, it's there is it's such a distraction and i think you really yeah. saw this in the difference between the senate com- committee and the house committee if if you actually care and want there to be a meaningful debate about Facebook, you you pretty much by definition have to get out of partisanship. You know what I mean? And the problem is if the entire debate is framed around the how did this get X politician elected, no mm-hmm. matter how much you may detest that politician, you're inherently not going to get anywhere. And and I and I think that's uh so I, Cambridge Analytica I think was really important in that it's clearly what prompted these hearings and yeah. it clearly has moved the ball down the road. But I think the extent to which this is going to have legs and is going to actually lead to something meaningful uh, will depend on how quickly the conversation moves past Cambridge Analytica, which, by the way, happened this week, as I kind of mentioned. The House hearing barely mentioned Cambridge Analytica at all, whereas it was much more into, like, privacy and managing data and what and why were you giving this data away, not just to Cambridge Analytica, but to all, all sorts of companies. Yeah, no, totally. I, I mean, I almost think of this as, it's almost the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. It's like pinning World War One on, on Gavrilo Princip, the guy who shot right. it in, in Sar- Sarajevo. To, to blame, to pin World War One on, on this incident is, is to completely miss the point. In so much as this is what sparked it, well, I'm glad it has been sparked, but to think that this is what we're here to debate is just to completely miss the point. Right, and it's it's to I think let Facebook off the hook because it, mm. it, to the extent that the discussion about Facebook regulation or or whatever it might be, whatever the outcome might be, to the extent it becomes about a 
outcome in a partisan election mm. is to the extent it's not going to happen, particularly given the fact that the lo- the the losing party in the election doesn't have power. <laughs> you know, like right. so. So, you know, to the extent people want there to be progress on the Facebook question, I think the faster they should get off of the you know, just from a pure sort of tactical perspective, if that makes sense. I absolutely agree. Now, I'm going to leave it in the order that I suggested it, but as Julie noted, that you objected to the order, and maybe we come back and revisit it. Oh, that's fine. No, we 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 can uh, yeah, we, we can uh, discuss the the order as we go along. The next one that I really want to come to, which is like the broader point of what Cambridge Analytica was taking advantage of, was giving away friends' profiles uh, to developers. So it, when you logged in using Facebook to an app or to a website. And then that app developer wouldn't just get your information, it would get all the information of all your friends. And obviously, some really personally, personal information from religion, sexuality. We talked about this previously. Now, I uh, for the reasons I talked about in the previous podcast, felt extremely sensitive. I was extremely sensitive to this. Uh, this was a really big deal. And it, it was one of these areas where I, in terms of privacy, felt this was a gross violation. But the reason I didn't put this further down the list is, to be fair, this is now in the past. The horse, the, the horse has bolted. It's, 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 10 miles away, which the barn door is shut. And yeah, maybe there's some penalty through the FTC or whatever that needs to be imposed as a, as a result of this. But this isn't something that is happening that Facebook is doing right now. And to focus on it as much as it was a gross violation of users' trust is to miss the broader points that are still ongoing further down the list. That's a good point. And I think you're, you're, the fact that it's it's sort of already been taken care of and, and yeah. on, of Facebook's own volition mm. is, is, a, is a good point. The reason why I think it, it may be down the list, I guess it depends on the perspective you take. And the reason mm. is because I think from, the, from face, the problem for Facebook is this is going to be the gift that keeps on giving mm-hmm. because that data was out there. Uh, the, the it's going to be you know the media is going to be able to write stories about this for basically as long as they want to because it, mm. and you know it's coming they're going to start finding other examples and other companies and other places that it is out there it's just going to keep drip 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 they drip, already dripping. found another one yeah no exactly and, and Facebook's go, you know they're going to do this audit and if they follow on what they say and they're transparent about it they're going to have to keep releasing these these notes and I think that this is an area where we are just in so deep and we understand so much what's going on that it's easy to lose track of the sort of like the the, the way this is going to be perceived broadly. And I suspect that the drip drip, the, the fact that this is something that's already taken care of and already mm. been solved is going to totally get lost in the noise. It's going to come across as, oh, another privacy Facebook privacy violation. Oh, another Facebook privacy violation. And I don't think it's going to be appreciated. They're all the same privacy violation. If, yeah. You know what I mean? I totally agree. I guess this is interesting because it's kind of bringing to light the the scoring mechanism from which I had when which I was ordering, and it was almost like the scoring mechanism of okay, we've we've brought Facebook to Washington. We're starting to think about this from the perspective of what should society be focused on going forward, as opposed as opposed and and thinking about that in terms of like what regulations or what actions, if any, should be taken, as opposed to your point right then, which was what is going to be the impact on the Facebook brand and what is going to give the media, uh, what what are people going to focus on in terms of Facebook? And from that perspective, I absolutely agree. This story is just going, it's going to keep, it's 
going to be undead. Like you think you, you put it down and it's just someone's going to find a way of bringing it up in some other incredible way that people are taking advantage of this data that shocks people. Yeah, I think that, that, that I think you just nailed it. Why we kind of have the, the order different in our heads because the I'm thinking about it from a political perspective. And, and the mm. reason I'm doing that is because this is a this is a political question. The nature of being a company of Facebook size and mm. influence and pervasiveness in all aspects of society and the economy is that decisions about what to do about it on the surface, they are regulatory decisions and legislative mm. decisions and all those sorts of things. But in reality, in practice, they are political decisions. And, and that was kind of the, something I was trying to drive at this week is this is why it was meaningful that Zuckerberg was there, number one. It's why it was meaningful that it didn't – most Washington, D.C. hearings devolve into Democrats calling for regulation and Republicans saying regulation is bad and hurts innovation and, and you know rinse, rinse, repeat. That happens again and again and again. I've seen enough – hearings to know this is what happens when mm-hmm. big companies are called before it. A- a- but it wasn't there. Like there was a there was a remarkable consistency in something screwed up here. And and, and again, just stop there. You know, yes, it all got went all over the place after that, and everyone had different concerns. And you had you had kind of the extremists on both sides. Like you had one, you had one side saying that oh, Donald Trump had had fifty million ads, and and Hillary Clinton had like fifty thousand. And was that because you weren't approving Hillary Clinton's ads? Like, well, no, she wasn't running ads, right? And then on the other side, you had the you had the other be like, oh, you're you're biased against conservatives, and you're censoring all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Which which you know, all, all evidence is Facebook is, is bent over backwards in the in the opposite direction. Yeah, and and, and but. But the point is not – it's easy to get lost in that, to get lost yes. into the sort of extremists or get lost into who's talking about Monopoly, who's talking about this. The fact that everyone was talking about something is a big deal and is a yeah. meaningful difference from, from, from what was before. And and then kind of the third point that I spent you know most of the article on was there was actually distinct viewpoints emerging about what to do with it. And again, mm. those they were slight. You had to kind of squint to see it, and there's still a lot of the typical sort of cliche rhetoric, but the fact that there was even an emerging like sort of difference about what to do means we're way farther down the road than we were not very long ago. Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree. I guess my concern is taking the political viewpoint or taking the thing that gets the most attention is given this problem has basically been solved uh, particularly from the Facebook perspective and the perspective of the big advertisers, like they have a very big interest in protecting user data for all the reasons you've been talking about, like it's in their financial interest to do so. What is concerning is if this is the thing on which people base the decisions on like, let's regulate here or let's take this action. If this is the thing that they're focused on, they're going to be absolutely solving the wrong problem. It's not going to, it's not going to help at the big end of town because the big guys already have an interest to keep the data private once they realize what their business model is. And the little guys aren't going to get started because the regulatory burden is going to be so high that there are the silent screams of all the companies that never get started, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that that gets at the sort of, the the two sides that I kind of saw emerging in in the, at least the Senate questioning. Interestingly enough, the House questioning I think was much much harder on Zuckerberg. Again, in part because it really got into what they were doing with with, with data, where, where Facebook just doesn't have a good answer. You know, to, to go back to the point about yeah, they've shut the barn door, but that doesn't change the fact that the barn door was at one point open. You, you know what Wide I mean? Wide open, right? And so there's like, what can Facebook say? There's like, there's really nothing they can say about. Yep, we let people take all that data. 
And yes, the system was working as designed. <laughs> like, I mean, that, that's all they can say. Like, they literally have nothing else to say. And, and so, and, and I think that's why the House session felt such more more difficult for Zuckerberg because it, it just hammered on that point again and again and again and again. Mm. Whereas the Senate, one, it spent too many people were grandstanding about Cambridge Analytica. And, and again, mm. in a sort of partisan way that, again, not saying you can agree that Cambridge is a problem and, and be you know appalled by, by Trump's election. My point is, as far as a political matter of something happening to Facebook, I think it's, it's, it's sort of counterproductive. But the other thing that was so interesting about the, about the Senate one in particular is the – much more clear articulation of, of like potential remedies and what might go forward. And, mm. and to your point, yes, there was really two. One was much stronger regulation and the control of, of, of user data. And to your point, and there was the, the, the what you would expect the typical Republican pushback that what about other companies that have mm. to handle that data? And in a very sort of illuminating exchange, Zuckerberg kind of admitted, he's like, yeah, we're big. We can handle it. You know, like we, we, it doesn't cost us to have a have a, a regulatory compliance team. Actually, one of the Republican senators, who was a total grand senator, by the way, and didn't ask any questions, but one of his statements was he asked Zuckerberg how many re- regulatory compliance officers he had in his dorm room. Just to kind of like, just to kind of drive the point home that, of course, you didn't have any. No, his mm. point was, no new company is going to be able to deal with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that was that was one side of it. But the other side, though, that was that was interesting is if you think that Facebook is a problem, and you are skeptical of regulation because of the impact regulation has on new business formation and, and potential competitors, then there remains a regulatory a regulatory solution, which we've talked about this, right? There's two types. Yeah, I almost want to save it for later on. Like, let's leave it as a cliffhanger because it fits in really nicely further down the list. And it's actually something where I'm very much coming around to agreement on. Okay, 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 sorry. I jumped ahead. You have a list. Uh, I apologize. I It's a good list. Let's get back to it. Yeah, no, I, I, I love the point, though, and I'm looking forward to digging into it. I guess the, the next thing on the list would be the 2016 election and Russian meddling. And this is this somewhat relates to the point about Cambridge Analytica and people being partisan and wanting to find a way to blame Facebook for what happened in the election. But and 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 maybe and you do need to disaggregate this from fake news and filter bubbles, which are which are topics that we will dive into next. But this idea that the Russian government somehow manipulated the American public, particularly through the use of a hundred thousand dollars of ad spend, which is the biggest red herring in the world, just it consistently agitates me. Now, the idea that you can have state state actors acting as quote-unquote sock puppets where you have things like the Internet Research Agency pretending to be legitimate citizens and tilting public behavior by attaching to issues that people believe in, whether it's African-American issues or immigration issues, getting people all riled up and then tilting the behavior a little bit, that is that is relatively serious. But this idea that the election was swayed on the basis of Russian interference, and it paints Putin as this master of puppets that really he is not. I, I again, find this whole thing so frustrating and devolving into partisanship on this topic doesn't allow us to properly deal with the issues at hand. Yeah, you're right. This is the least important. I, I was wrong. It wasn't Cambridge Analytica because I think that, that like, because the, the, the data privacy are tied up into that, right? Uh, mm. Yeah. No, this is the, <laughs> I co- I completely agree because the, the fact of the matter is the, the the reason why these these you kind of mentioned it at the end there. The reason why 
to the extent these agents were effective is because they were giving people what they already wanted to see, what they already mm. wanted to hear, right? Like there's there's a there's a let's get all worked up about the thinnest branch on the tree with while completely ignoring you know the, the trunk and the roots. Like yeah. there's <laughs> the the they are exploiting division, but that is inherent upon that division existing in the first place and two to your point yeah to to if you follow it to its logical conclusion it's that americans have no agency they have no ability to think for themselves that pup that putin can sit there in moscow and control yeah. what we do and think and at the end of the day like i will say we elected donald trump accept mm. it and it's like until we that's like accepted and like that is the reality and we stop trying to blame or attribute agency to other people and other folks instead of to ourselves as Americans. I mean, mm-hmm. lucky lucky you, you, you get to be excluded from this. We're not going to get anywhere. Uh, anyhow, yeah. we, are, we are veering dangerously close into, uh, into, into partisan politics. But, yeah, but yeah. needless to say, I completely agree with you. Yeah, no, it's the, 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 the issue like – and I think there's a point you just made that I want to double down on. The, the issue isn't that – the 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 russians managed to create all this division the issue is perhaps i mean maybe i think the broader point in the context of facebook is that these platforms are on some level because of their design to increase engagement they thrive on division and creating this kind of behavior and the russians were, were able to then pour fuel in the fire but like so was everybody else and if it wasn't going to be the russians there was going to be someone else who comes along and gets people all worked up into a lather about this like it's it's going to be something that populates the newsfeed whether it's them or somebody else yeah i mean and you can see that all the time like there, there's all kinds of things that are stoking division and 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 on both sides and you see people getting <laughs> extremely worked up and i think you're to your point we can talk about the filter bubble angle i think that is that next on your list Actually, it's fake news and then filter bubble because there's no there's no way that fake fake news is is more of an issue than the filter bubble stuff. Yeah, no, I, I think that goes in with some of the the Russian disinformation things. It's so mm. easy to, you know, at the end of the day, fake news is a confirmation bias provider. Like people mm-hmm. see it and believe it and don't question it because they already think it. And, right. and and you know, and there's been all the research that has come out about fake news since the election has has largely said it had no factor. The people who shared it and spread it already, you know, shared and, and had those beliefs. And 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 again, we're not well, I think we're we're probably making a lot of people mad with this podcast. But but I think the the point I would tie it to the sort of like saying that Facebook sells your data sort of idea, mm-hmm. right? Like, like there is, there might be some aspect of truth here, but unless we're super precise about what the problem is and what it mm-hmm. stems from, it, we're just going to get distracted. And I think that was the frustration you felt about these hearings is like, we're getting distracted about stuff that is, that maybe on the margins has ver- some sort of very slight impact, but mm-hmm. it's allowing us to skip over and obscure far bigger issues. I mean, the, the, the way that the fake news thing was presented by the media in the aftermath of the 2016 election was like, it felt like this was the thing that swayed it. And like you said, you get into the deeper research and it's like, it's not doing that at all. It's not great that things exist where you're creating clickbait that's clearly false in order to get, uh, to, to take advantage of, uh, th- these, these, uh, 
people's intellectual laziness or, or the fact that you're exploiting people, uh, the, the confirmation bias that people already have. But this is a solvable problem. And actually, I think rather than relying on, on a regulatory solution, like if a platform becomes known for spreading this over an extended period of time, people are going to stop engaging on the platform. I think Facebook have an incentive and an ability, a technical ability to solve this. And that's why I just think this is not such an important one. I wanted to double, like, I think we're doing, I'm doubling down on your double down. So it's, mm. a, it's, a, it's a quadruple down. <laughs> but but I, at some point, like we, we have to grant people agency, you know, you mm. know what I mean? Like it, we can't solve every problem for everyone about the content they consume or whatever. And this is, you know, this is an age old debate, this worry that people are spending time on things they shouldn't do or reading things they shouldn't or pursuing their, their, you know, lowbrow things or, or, or their, you know, satisfying their purient interests. I love the word purient, uh, particularly once I learned how to spell it. Uh, the, the PR, do you know, started with PR. It's not PU. I had no idea. I told you. See, I do it. I do it. Uh, that's the word of the day. Purient interests. Uh, <laughs> but but you know, it's always been a you know people who see you ought to do this. People ought to do this. They you know they ought to eat their vegetables. They ought to read good things. They ought to spend their time well. They shouldn't waste so much time spending TV. They shouldn't be doing this or doing that or doing do, doing whatever. And I was thinking a lot about this week because there was uh, the, the story came out of China where there's a, a, a an app I, I've actually been meaning to write about for a long time. It's called called Totiao, and it's it's basically a news reading app, and it's mm. very algorithmically driven, where it gives people the headlines and news that they that they want to see, and it's it's extremely successful. You know, think something like Nuzzle, but like with with you know ten, tens of millions of users and and, and <laughs> that people actually use. Yeah, and it, but it, it's much more based on algorithm sort of feedback, where it, uh-huh. it's very sort of Facebook like that regard. Like you, 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 you it, it taps into your revealed preference, like the things that mm. you want to read and gives you more of them. Right. And, and they got a huge crackdown this week where their apps were taken down from all the stores. Like, and this is a company with a $30 billion valuation. Uh, wow. And uh, why? And, and the founder is forced to write this sort of abject apology, basically saying, oh, oh, you know, sorry, I wasn't upholding social values, letting people read things they shouldn't and wasn't, you know, wasn't sharing enough of the official not or, or like the good vibes, it, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, like I, we'll post the apology letter in, in, in the notes. But basically part of the problem was was it was doing too much of giving people what they wanted to see and not enough of giving people what the government said they wanted to see. Mm. And, and, and there's, you know, it's just a reminder that sometimes just letting people do what they want, even though they mostly do crappy things that maybe aren't the best thing for them. There is a dark side to going the other way. And, at that same sort of freedom that lets people do the stuff they want to do and to read fake news and to, you know, look at stuff they shouldn't look at or, or, you know, look at, you know, gossip websites or, you know, quick bait and quick things that whatever it might be. That's also the same sort of freedom that lets people start new companies, to create new ideas, to come up with new concepts, to do all sorts of things. And, and when you get really worried and start to cut off what is mm. what people are allowed to do? One, it can veer into totalitarianism very easily. But yeah. two, you're you're restricting what can also be created. What sort of new things can come out of that? And I just thought this news coming out of China this week at the same time Zuckerberg is sitting in front of these committees again, 
he's there by choice responding to sort of popular opinion, not sort of like not because his apps got taken down from the app store. It mm. was a useful sort of contrast. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely is. It's actually, it's such an extreme contrast in terms of do you, I wouldn't want to live in a place where that happens. Like, yeah, sure. I might not like this idea that, and, and we'll probably get into this more in the time well spent category, but there are, I certainly very much associate with that. I don't think that ta- a lot of the time that's spent on this social networking is time well spent. And their business model is to engage people past the point where it is time well spent. And I don't think they can easily pull back from that because of the financial incentives they have. But then you think about what the regulatory levers are to to solve that kind of problem. And then you see the, the Chinese perhaps on the far end on the other extreme. And it's like, you know what? I absolutely agree. I mean, tell people and let people know that this may not be best for them, but don't nanny state or shutting down businesses because it's not pushing the, the the appropriate news. That sounds like a horrible solution. Yeah, no, again, and I'm not saying that the, that's the choice, right? That you have one state or you have the Chinese state. Like, obviously, mm. there is a vast amount of space in, in the in the middle. I just think it's it's a it's something that's useful to keep in mind because it's so there's so much talk and chatter about especially when you get into the things like fake news and, and you know if we can jump ahead just like the, the filter bubbles ideas or the mm. time well spent idea the, where a lot of this is people doing things that we feel they ought not do and, mm-hmm. and you know what you got to let people do things that they ought not do because by letting people do things they ought not do sometimes the things they ought not do are things that we actually need to get done and no one would have done otherwise Totally. And what what is uh, ought to and ought not to is so culturally and context dependent. And, and who, yeah, who decides? Change. Yeah, right, who decides, exactly. right? Yeah, I, I certainly don't think it should be folks on Capitol Hill or, or folks in the, the, the real Forbidden City as opposed to the old Forbidden City. But it does bring us to the next one, which is the topic of filter bubbles. And that is something that compared to the fake news, and I know we've discussed this before, I think that the filter bubbles issue is much more of an issue because it is reinforcing to people and it is polarizing folks because they only see things that they agree with. They don't get perspective from the other side. And I, I, I mean, I feel like when you think about if, if you really want to start to get into how social networks might have really had an impact on on the 2016 election, I feel like it's much more around this area than it is around fake news or Cambridge Analytica or any of that other stuff. Yeah, I agree. And I, I've written about, you know, the the concern of, about filter bubbles. You know, at, at, at the end of the day, though, one, it's not just about Facebook social networks. I mean, if someone chooses to watch, you know, one particular cable channel, for example, won't name any mm-hmm. names, and then they, they, they get all their news and views from there, what, should they be forced to watch another television channel? I, I mean, like, no, where, where I, mean, well, I yeah. mean, I think some people would disagree with you. I think some people would say they, they should be forced to, and that, 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 that the cable channel of their choice should be shut down or, or whatever it might be. Oh, there, there's actually, there's a lot of talk about the fairness doctrine that, that the, the old FCC, you know, requirements that, that broadcast channels, you know, show both sides as it were. I don't like where, where, how far does this go? Where, where does it end? And maybe it should go somewhere. Maybe, maybe there is something that should be done. But at the end of the day, we're dealing with, people's desire to hear what they want to hear and it's an it's i think more intractable than people appreciate and Mm. the solutions to that intractableness perhaps require to actually be effective going further than most people also sort of appreciate 
Yeah, I mean, like I start to feel like we're really getting into the the right end of the list, the difficult end of the list when when you're pausing around how how serious the problem is and how how to deal with it. And that that's kind of the the way that I feel about it too. On one hand, I it's a this tragedy for society that you don't have a civil discourse anymore. You go back and not to be the, the the person that's that <laughs> that we've decried for the past twenty episodes about how great the good old days were, but you go back and people were there was a extent to which more civil discourse was able to take place, and uh, in part that stemmed from the fact that people were reading reading from the same script in terms of where they got their news source. That is going away, and the news sources that are being encouraged to crop up both on the channel front, but it's being supercharged by the internet, are reinforcing to people the things that they already hear. But then you start to get into solution land and like what the Chinese government did, for example, that sounds horrible. I mean, and, and yeah, you can impose these regulations on cable channels, but what about something like like Stratechery or all these fantastic new news sources that you can get on the internet, are they required to do it as well? And if people don't like what's happening to the cable channels and this is what people want, they will just go somewhere else to get it. So I totally agree. I feel like, I mean, I put it down the list because I think it's a problem, but I don't necessarily have a good solution. Your description of it being intractable is one that I very much agree with. Yeah, and, and again, to be clear, we're, we're neither of us are saying that the only alternative is to be like the Chinese government like mm-hmm. again there's a yeah. huge there's a huge amount of area <laughs> in the middle there but but uh, but yeah your point on the website point is very well made because you know remember we've talked a ton we're going from a, a, a place of scarcity to a place of abundance and the fairness doctrine to use an example came up when there were three broadcast stations you know there mm-hmm. were only three places to get brought you know tv news and and that was the context in which that that doctrine was enforced and mm-hmm. when it was repealed it was in the context of cable it's like well there's actually a whole bunch of cable channels if you you know there's competition can take care of that and to the and if you think about it if you look at it holistically that's actually true right people generally by and large i think objective observers would say that fox is more on the right msnbc is more on the left and cnn is you know more in the middle i mean again you can have disputes where <laughs> cnn is in, in the middle yeah yeah no but but the point is is by like at least relative to each other that's where they are right, right. and and, totally. and competition worked there is yeah. All viewpoints, you know, within a spectrum, of course, all viewpoints are available on cable news, and 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 I think this is why it's intractable, is because people's problem is not with the availability of viewpoints; mm-hmm. it's the insistence that people hear their viewpoints, yeah. and that's why it's that's right. why it's dangerous. That's why thinking about solutions are problematic because people's problem is not with the suppliers it's with the the end user and they want to control what people think and control what people see and i'm not defending what people see and think particularly you know there is quote unquote fake news and i and people believe things that are crazy and don't see the facts and we do need shared facts all those things are true but if you start seriously thinking about solutions it gets very problematic very very quickly no, I couldn't agree with you. And honestly, like the, the internet and the internet takes it to a to a million, right? Yeah, there's right. you can get any viewpoint you want on the internet, and, and this is the issue. The problems here go back to people. If, if the the point of the internet is 
demand rules the day. People get what they want because there's there's all kinds of supply, and the platforms that succeed are the ones that are the most efficient in getting people what they want as quickly and as seamlessly as possible. And, and so the it, it turns out the problem is with people. It's it's yeah. not it's not the it's not the medium. I mean, I, I agree with that, but it is a pretty nice segue into the quote unquote time well spent thing, which is the realization perhaps among certain circles. And I think this is particularly being pushed as a narrative from inside the tech world and particularly by a number of former employees of some of the big social media companies that that because of the business model of these organizations is based around engagement. It is in their interest to keep people engaged on that site on their app as long as possible. And that might include showing them inflammatory things or things that aren't necessarily in their best interests. And uh, this notion that, I mean, Zuckerberg came out with the memo a little bit, uh, a little bit ago talking about wanting to make sure that time spent on Facebook is time well spent. And I I mean, you talked about like people are humans. That is absolutely true. And you want to be careful Tinkering at the same time, people are humans were were taken advantage of by tobacco companies by, uh, I mean, people have various views on what should be done about uh, soda consumption and all the sugar involved or Coca-Cola put cocaine in their product originally like there there are instances where letting people just do what they want as a society we've uh, agreed perhaps isn't always the best idea and this is that's the angle that i would take on time well spent it concerns me that these companies are so powerful and they don't necessarily like their business model isn't necessarily aligned with the consumer's best interest yeah, I mean, I I hear you, and I think that that's right. And I I would I would have two two responses. Um, mm. One is, it makes me. It's great that Mark Zuckerberg is concerned about people's time well spent. It concerns me to have an unelected, unaccountable single person deciding what is time well spent for two billion people. Like, like and again, yeah. I think this is an issue. To me, this is one of the most deepest fundamental problems with Facebook is I actually, you know, there's, there's a Slack channel I'm in and everyone's convinced that, Oh, Mark Zuckerberg is all, you know, telling a bunch of lies and it's all devious. He just wants to make more money, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, I actually don't think so. I don't think he actually, Mm. he doesn't really, like he was asked a question about Facebook's financials and he kind of like barely knew what the answers were. And I don't think it's because he's dumb. I think he doesn't care. Like that's Mm. Sheryl Sandberg runs the business side of the company. He's focused on his mission and vision in the product side. And, you know, it's in many respects, what we want from founders that they be, Mm. keep the idealism and they, keep the focus and not worry about the bottom line and do what they they think is best but but there's a there's a darker side here which is you know we've talked about this a few times once you lose lose the sort of moorings of of caring about the financials and all mm. you care about is enacting your vision that is where danger lies because the more you're driven by your good intentions and your conviction that you're doing good for the world, the greater your blind spot is about the unintended consequences of of what's happening. And if you want to criticize Facebook, and I think it's not the, they wanted to make more money so they did all this bad stuff. It's that they genuinely believe they were doing good things for the world and thus did bad stuff. And that's a much better explanation for why Facebook gives data away willy-nilly. Like Zuckerberg, if you want to go back to the 14-year apology tour, it's if every single one of those apologies is by and large driven by Zuckerberg's clearly 
deeply held belief that more transparency is better, more data is better, getting stuff out there is better and better. They're like, what, what the privacy is, he said this, like, we, we need to connect more, we need to get more out there. If we are more public and, and have all these better connections, the world will be a better place. And mm. it's a very utopian sort of vision that, frankly, I find much more concerning than Facebook just trying to make a few more dollars on their next earnings statement. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. Now, I mean, the the connection to the business side is you want more users, you want them more engaged with your site and using your product, and like that. Well, is it's also if you believe your product is the route to a better world, you could yes. you would also want them using your product more as well. I I, I and that's the, I agree, I totally agree, and like it feels like this this um, belief in more people connected and this belief in radical transparency. Like you said, you look at the places where they've apologized, it's where they've pushed the envelope in reducing friction of making information that much more easily available. That is the whole basis of Facebook. All the information was available in inside of Harvard on the various uh, in the various houses. They had their own pages. He amalgamated it and made it easier to find. And I think this guiding principle of reducing the friction and everybody is everything is transparent and everybody is on, everything is on the internet everything is represented there and not seeing the dangers associated with that just seeing it as a north star that must always be moved towards and their reticence around privacy i would tend to agree the connection i guess i would make with the business side is it's it's like you just said and i think your explanation is great it's like that's the mission and then we measure it on engagement and when i talk about business model i agree with you I don't think he's doing it for money. I think he's viewing it in terms of getting more people engaged. Yeah, well, and not just that. Even even if it is tied to the business model, you it could easily justify that we need to make more money such that we can pursue our vision. That is the that is the vision that all humanity ought to follow. Mm. You know, like, like everything is justifiable. I mean, this was the point in that memo from 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 Boz and uh, Andrew Bosworth in the mm-hmm. like this that memo. It will link to it is. What are the single most succinct and powerful descriptions of Facebook ever? I mean, it's it's unbelievable. He's basically saying we are so motivated by connecting people, we justify anything and everything that we do. Everything is okay if it leads to the goal of of connecting people. And I think his I think his the memo was especially by BuzzFeed, which posted originally, completely misrepresented it. Like mm-hmm. they're they representing it as as him justifying as, as him you know saying that they should do bad things. He wasn't saying they should do bad things. He's saying we make the mistake of doing bad things because we justify it to ourselves by calling back on this sort of this vision of connecting people. Like it, it was it was BuzzFeed kind of had it precisely backwards, like the cause and effect, you know, here. And that's why it was such an incisive memo. If you are driven by evangelical zeal that you are pursuing a vision that 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 must be enacted. Uh, because it's right. Why would you not want the right thing to be enacted? You justify all kinds of bad things along the way. And if you want to crystallize Facebook's 14-year apology tour, to use Tufetchi's term, it is the missionary zeal of believing they are pursuing a vision that ought, that that must be enacted. I absolutely agree. I I was actually very agitated by the way that that memo was received and the focus. I mean, that that he he was clearly trying to prove a point and this management style, and it's one that I think is uh, is 
underappreciated and I will try to employ it, but like you see the the dark side of it as well if it slips out, for example, of like provoking people, of like playing it out to the extreme of like the terrorism quote, like that's the thing that so, so many people latched onto. But this way of provoking people and making them, holding the mirror up and like this is the most extreme example of what's happening as a result of what we're doing. And I think I can imagine it sparked and everybody said it sparked a huge internal discussion. And this is an instance where leaking it without the context of what it was trying to do just seems grossly unfair to well, both the organization and the individual. Just involved. by reading the memo, you can see what it was trying to do. I mean, and to the extent I can understand why Facebook people were upset about it because mm. they were upset because of the truth that was in it. I mean, the fact of the matter is we've spent all kinds of podcasts talking about all the downsides of this, all the mm-hmm. problems of social media, the fact that it does lead to filter bubbles. It does tear down our media institutions that, you know, tied into political parties that makes them want to Trump possible, things we've talked about. It mm. does lead to the fact that the fact that any small business can walk up to Facebook and do advertising also means Russian agents can walk up mm. to it and do advertising, right? All this stuff, all the good things are interconnected with the, with, with the bad things and, and to – to put the memo was clearly stating that why are we okay with it? Why are we why are we okay with those bad things? We're okay because we are mission driven, and and to me the issue here and 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 the, my takeaway from this and, and something we've obviously I've said this before, so it, it's confirmation bias on my part is being mission driven has its own very serious inherent problems because you have. The more you're driven by mission, the larger your blind spots are. Yeah, because the, yeah. you know, we you you can talk about oh, to worry about the the next earnings, to worry about the bottom line. Oh, that's problematic because you're too worried about Wall Street, etc. Well, the good thing is it's very measurable. So if you're meeting it or not meeting it, or, or any problems are very quickly and readily apparent. Right? That's the reason why Wall Street will push companies to measure their performance by the bottom line because it's measurable and and and, and there's more accountability. To the extent your motivation, your driving force has nothing to do with the bottom line, the more by sort of definition huge number of blind spots there's going to be and that can be both a good thing because the more that can be accomplished and the more new businesses you can build. Like Amazon is afforded a huge blind spot in, if you, you could frame it that way because Wall Street has faith that they're going to use the, all the money, all the revenue they're generating to, to build greater businesses, right? That, that's, a, that's an example of a positive blind spot. A negative blind spot is you're going to end up unleashing huge numbers of unintended consequences because you're not actually bound by anything that is, is measured or accountable. Such a great point. Uh, like, I mean, you think about zealots throughout human history, and they are they they cast aside so many things that uh, that that many of us take for granted because they're so focused on that mission. And I mean, this is rife in Silicon Valley more so than perhaps anywhere else. That there's this o- almost like righteous belief that everything that everyone is doing here is making the world a better place. And I won't lie, like part of that is part of the reason why I wanted to come here, this kind of techno-utopianism. But the extent to which people refuse to uh, counsel the possibility that it could be used in negative ways and it and the 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 I mean this this whole thing is almost like Silicon Valley's wake up call like all these big companies or a number of them anyway that are most successful this is the instance where 
suddenly the narrative has shifted. This isn't necessarily making the world a better place anymore. We have very real examples of we're partway down the list of like how it's not necessarily making the world a better place. And you're right, like the mission is blinding people to that possibility. And it's only when you're dealing with the consequences of ignoring it that people are starting to realize, oh, hey, maybe we should have been thinking about this all along. Yeah, and, and clearly you can go in the opposite direction where you get so wrapped up in the the, the, the bad things, you miss the good things. And, and you know, that's something I I, I I, I tweeted during the hearings, like everyone's talking about the, the problems with ads, for example. Mm. Well, like we, we've talked about before, like ads are a – Facebook ads are a huge leveler of the playing field for all kinds mm-hmm. of like tiny businesses and things like that. Yeah. And someone came back to me. He's like, oh, well, yeah, but why is the number of businesses decreasing in this society? That's been happening for 30 years, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can't blame an internet company for a trend that's been going on for – for, for well, three decades. I mean, the counter to that is like how much worse would exactly. it be if it weren't for those ads? Exactly. And, and there's and there's just all kinds of examples over the place of companies that are possible, uniquely possible. I mean, look at the App Store. The vast majority of money-making uh, apps in the App Store are they're, – they're more dependent on Facebook than they are on, on Apple for their success. Apple is just the conduit and they take a tax by virtue of, of having the, the sort of distribution. But they are actually able to – build an audience and to make money thanks 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 to Facebook and and we're we're in this middle of like the pendulum swinging wildly back and forth now right mm-hmm. like there is a long time uh, just the presumption of all good and now we're kind of veering towards the presumption everything mm. is terrible and the hope is we can kind of figure out a path where we, we, we kind of can acknowledge both yeah uh, and i mean I I guess that is as good a segue as any to the last thing on my list, which is like this notion that, and I mean, I I started to come around to it and uh, this notion that perhaps we're starting to look at at a monopoly. Like this is what happens when you have a monopoly, both both on the advertising side, but digital advertising side, but also on the social networking side. And to uh, the cliffhanger is somewhat revealed by my lead in like that. But I think you were you were referring to a uh, was it a senator who was who was uh, driving with a line of questioning? Yeah, I mean we, we've talked about this podcast previously that if you if you are believe that a company it, it, there's two regulatory approaches by by and large mm. and you know it they're often lumped into one but the truth is that regula- regulations like rules like limitations on what a company can do is one sort of regulation and i as i've noted it, you know i think everyone's aware at this point i am inherently skeptical of those not because they don't have benefit but because the benefit is very easy to measure and the cost is extremely mm. difficult to measure because who bears the costs the companies that are Small or having it been formed, right? It's 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 in it, it, which is by ver- by definition nearly impossible to measure. And mm-hmm. the other sort of regulation that I have noted repeatedly, I am much more favorable towards is antitrust regulation. And, and because what is the point of antitrust regulation? The point of antitrust regulation is that competition is no longer a meaningful limiter or restraint on a company's actions and behavior. And it's to restore competition, right? So my concern about sort of rules-based regulation is that it limits competition. And why I tend to be more in favor of antitrust regulation is because it restores it restores competition. What I think was so interesting was, as I kind of mentioned before, you, it, there was the sort of democratic proposal for regulation and, and there was the sort of cliche or opponent response of regulation is bad, right? We don't, don't want to regulate this, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera. But mm-hmm. there was also a, a rather distinct thread, again, more in the Senate than in the House about, you know, no, there is a problem here. 
And no, regulation is just going to make the problem worse. Like this is that was the point of of, of one of the senators, I think Senator Sullivan from from Alaska. But he, he was he's like, there's two remedies. It was so interesting. He's like, there's usually two remedies to a company that gets as big as powerful as you. One is regulation, and one is breakup. And he asks Zuckerberg, "What do you think about that?" And Zuckerberg's like, "We're not opposed to regulation." <laughs> like, like, like he, he didn't say anything about about being broken up, as you would expect, right? Because one. As Zuckerberg kind of admitted in that conversation, it, it, you know, regulation locks – Facebook can mm. bear the cost of regulation. And, oh, it, like I, I've had this argument again and again. I'm going to make it – I'm going to make it one more time. The GDPR came up a ton in these hearings, right? And mm-hmm. people are like, oh, why, why, why does Facebook and Google fight against GDPR? Well, they fight against it because it's expensive, right? It's a big pain in the neck. Who wants to deal with it? Is it going to crimp their business? Of course it's going to crimp their business. The question isn't whether it's going to hurt Facebook or Google. The question is – who can most afford to bear the cost of abiding by the regulation, right? Mm. And, and Facebook and Google can because it's not just about the cost of compliance. It's about you have to get permission from your customers for data tracking and, and you have to do all these sorts of things. And guess what? If you're on Facebook, if you're on Facebook and using Facebook and, and, and doing all that, they they have permission because it's all on Facebook, right? Or might they be limited in what they can get from third parties from websites? Absolutely. But what about companies like, say, ad trackers, or basically any other advertising network other than Facebook or Google where their entire business is predicated on third party on third party mm-hmm. websites and third third party placements right i think they're probably going to feel the pain a whole lot more and if you follow that through if digital advertising is going to continue to exist where do you think the digital advertising is going to go it's probably going to go to the companies that relatively speaking feel the pain least and, and, and i don't know why people can't can't get this that of course facebook and google don't want this sort of regulation but it's not like it's go- but you have to look at it relative to to the entire landscape no it, it, you're absolutely spot on i i 100 agree with that and i agree the frustration that people can't see it i mean like yes you're reducing facebook's ability to get this 100 accurate picture of you down to perhaps 60 percent, but you're reducing everybody else's down to a tiny fraction if anything at all but you think about it from from the other perspective and just how if you had competition in this space how many of these things might be being solved and the fact that when facebook starts to when Facebook starts to uh, reduce ad inventory, prices go up. That's like a sure sign of a digital advertising monopoly where you think about it from the perspective of uh, people buying ads and like they're just going to go to Facebook because it covers Facebook and Instagram. And in terms of social media, that covers so much and the friction involved to go to another network. Whereas if you start to pull those apart, it's like, okay, we're starting with one and that's not going to nearly be enough. So we might as well do two. And then once you're doing two, well, you might as well do three. It starts to enable much more of an ecosystem. And then on the the user side, the social media side, he was asked a number of times about like, oh, so uh, where else can you go? And he talked about Facebook being one of uh, like there were eight options. He, he's very specific in his language, eight options in terms of how how people can communicate. And like you said in, in one of your updates, what he failed to mention is three of those eight are Facebook properties like and this comes to light with things like, oh, they just decided to arbitrarily delete some of Mark Zuckerberg's messages to users like, OK, not only do you have 
uh, like an incredible control over the way that people are communicating, you're also using it in a way that doesn't seem fantastic from a, again, from a societal perspective. I started to come around. I don't think the regulation is going to help in terms of it's going to have the uh, inverse effect of what people hope. I, th- I would tend to agree with that, Senator. I think this this breakup approach is probably of all the remedies on the table, the one that makes the most sense. Well, James calling for Facebook to be broken up. (laughs) I think the challenge with that is you can, from a very high level, you can see like that, that would be, you can see the benefit of that, right? Because again, and you made the point about advertising. That's the real, that's the real challenge here because Snap has demonstrated you can build an audience by doing a Facebook alternative and mm-hmm. something that's different and people spend time there. What they have not demonstrated and are not even close to demonstrating is that you can actually build a viable business doing that. And, and for all the reasons that you 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 kind of mentioned as far, you know, from an advertiser perspective, the, mm. the question is always how do you from sort of here to there, right? How yeah. what, what is the what what is actually Facebook doing that is anti-competitive as opposed to just being really successful at, you know and yes the the acquisitions were anti-competitive and we've discussed and written about that but as they are today you know what 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 is the again we're going to get a ton of tweets and emails because people get really worked up about this point in particular like they, they have to be broken up they broke up, they're broken up. How do you, like okay give me a specific from here to there strategy about how that happens like what what is the lawsuit that is going to be brought against them you know, that it's going to lead to this. And, and mm. which means I think it's much more likely. And I said this a few weeks ago that there is going to be a regulatory response, a, a, a rulemaking response, something akin to the GDPR that, that locks down user data. That is all about privacy. And, you know, to the point we kind of discussed about, you know, may end up making the competitive situation worse. But the other thing that's worth thinking about, and I, I haven't written, I, I've, we talked about this in the podcast a, a little bit, but, it's not I, – I, there are good things that do come from having th- this one sort of standard platform, right? Again, go back to the advertiser perspective. The fact that there's really one place to go to advertise and you can kind of reach everyone, that's actually kind of a good thing if you're a small advertiser, right? Because there's the, – if you had to go to multiple platforms and have different creative everywhere to effectively reach everyone, that actually in some respects favors – the bigger guy because they have more resources to to do that right whereas if everyone's walking up to the same portal by and large that that arguably levels the playing field you go back to our jungle analogy of there being you know tall trees on one side and underbrush on the other you could make an argument again i'm not sure i'm making that argument yet but you could make the argument that it actually is a very sort of logical outcome to accept the reality of the tall trees to heavily sort of regulate them and put, you know, rules around them and, and, and things like that and admit there's not going to be other tall trees that come along, but we want to make it that the most there can be more thriving rather than less on the jungle floor. I'm I'm laughing partway through because I think somewhere along the 148 episodes I've got got into your head and you've got into mine. Like I'm the one proposing the breakup and 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 the more the blunt approach, whereas you're the one that's now proposing the regulation in order to. Well, I, to I didn't I didn't say I'm proposing it yet. I mean, this is like yeah. this is something I've been thinking about. I mean, honestly, for five years, it, mm. going back to to thinking through the antitrust implications of this because you can there is an argument to be made that the inherent nature of of 
aggregation theory and, and of these markets is there's always just going to be a dominant player because mm-hmm. it's going to that that idea we've talked about in the context of search right if you have two search engines that have the exact same sort of technical capabilities and one is 51% share and one is 49% share the one with 51% share is going to increase its share over time by virtue it's going to improve better and more quickly mm-hmm. and and gain steal share from the other one right and, and if that's the case if that is the inherent nature of these markets yeah. maybe this solution is instead of uh, an endless game of breaking up aggregators such that a new aggregator can sort of take its place, maybe it is to accept the reality of aggregators and and put limits and rules around them and accept their benefits such that you know fauna can grow on top of them, if that makes sense. No, it makes total sense. I mean, like the, the ideal solution would be to have a platform where like all these problems, and obviously this is a utopian vision that will never get solved, but all these problems aren't uh, aren't issues. And like, there's just a platform, uh, like this perfectly theoretically neutral platform where advertisers can come, people can connect with their family, whatever. In the meantime, I guess we'll probably be debating this for maybe another 148 yeah episodes. well I mean, that's and that's why the 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 i've always been much more biased towards neutrality in in, in everything again with all the downsides that comes with it mm. because you know there is a presumption if if neutrality neutrality isn't necessary if there's competition like fairness doctrine sort of idea right you need a fairness doctrine when there's only three options you don't need a fairness doctrine when there's 70 yeah. or 400 or on the internet effectively infinite. That's a good point. Everything that's old is new again. Like we're starting to move back into that kind of world again, aren't we? We'll see. We'll see. This is, this is a uh, – I've probably tipped my hat to a, a topic that I've been thinking about for for a long time. I, I'm, not, I'm not totally sh- – I haven't quite <laughs> bought in all the way, but I think mm. there is – it's at least something that's worth thinking about. Totally. On the subject of Facebook, I think we can make a promise of our, to our listeners that we will not talk about Facebook for at least two weeks. Yes. Uh, next week, I'll be traveling to, uh, on topic actually, the, the University of Chicago is having a the second mm. annual conference about sort of antitrust issues. And this year is about digital platforms. So I will, I, I will, be, I will be attending that. And I think there will be some live streams of some of the panels uh, that, that I'll be on. I will... Uh, I'll put those links in the show notes, but I will not be able to record next week. So uh, I, you're right. We will not talk about Facebook, although I might. I, I think I will be, but you will not, you, you will not be. There we go. Uh, I want to thank WordPress.com for sponsoring Exponent, as they do every week. Again, go to WordPress.com slash Exponent to get 15% off your order. And I will talk to you in two weeks then. Safe travels, mate. All right. Talk to you later. See ya. Oh, bye-bye.